so much better. Understand the the privilege we have to meet together uh, this morning. If you have your Bible, please open to the book of Second Timothy. And specifically, we'll be in chapter three today. Now, if you were here a couple years ago, Pastor Scott through the book of First Timothy. Who here remembered that? Yeah, that was a great book. Uh, just like First Timothy, Second Timothy was written by a man named the Apostle Paul. He was writing to his disciple Timothy, uh, a young pastor. <clears throat> In the book of Second Timothy, though, a lot had changed since the book of First Timothy. Uh, so within the within a decade, or within less than a decade. A lot has changed. For instance, in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing from prison. If you remember the end of the book of Acts, we, we know that Paul was in prison, but at the end of Acts, it's told that Paul had was put into a household confinement. So people could come and could visit him. He could teach others freely the, the, the word of God and, not, and was not hindered. By now, in 2 Timothy, that's a little bit different. He's no longer in house confinement. He is in a, a locked prison. It's pretty hard to find. It's, it's one of the nastiest prisons. It's, it's cold and it's dark. He doesn't have any of his friends with him. In fact, when he was put on trial, some of the people who were going to testify for Paul actually didn't show up. They were afraid. See, at that time, not only was Paul in prison, but the Roman government was starting to change its views towards Christians. So when Paul first wrote 1 Timothy, the country, the Roman government, tolerated Christianity. But by this time, who knows the name Nero? Yeah. So Nero was over the Roman government, and was he a, a, a good emperor or not? very ungodly, right? And, and he hated Christians, and so he would persecute them. And so when Paul is in prison, it's not because anything Paul did to break the law. It was because he was preaching the gospel. So a lot is changing. The, the, the government is changing. Um, by this time, even in 2 Timothy, a lot of, of the apostles are dying off, and Paul himself, within a, the next few months of writing this letter, he would die. A lot of co-laborers in the gospel were starting to be embarrassed of Paul, and so they weren't willing to go to him to his courtroom, courtroom date. So Timothy is witnessing all these changes within the church, and a changing government, the death of the apostles, the, the person who he looks up to most is, is in prison. And so right now, in 2 Timothy, Paul's writing to him, and, he, and there's one major temptation facing Timothy, and that's to abandon the centrality and reliability of the Word of God. However, a continued trust and reliance upon the Word of God was critical for Timothy. That's why Paul is writing this letter. So everything else was changing around him, but Timothy was to remain convinced of the Scriptures. 
and scriptures were be were to be the sole influence in Timothy's life. One major temptation that's facing you, students, is to abandon the centrality and the reliability of the Word of God. Everything around you is changing at a different pace. Every source outside of the biblical worldview is pursuing you in order to influence you. Ten years ago, our government made it as hostile towards Bible-believing churches. And that's changing, and it will further. Maybe family situations are changing, or, or, or the context of your friends is changing, and everything is changing around you, and, and even your, your body is changing. And, and you're going through these different life changes. There's a lot of different avenues or a lot of different mediums that are speaking into your life and that want to influence you outside of the Bible. They want to influence you. And more important, even if you didn't have that, even if you were secluded away from every internet side or social media, you got rid of all your friends, you didn't know what was happening in the government, you have this in here that wants to influence you, even though you know what the Bible says. It is a major temptation for you, even while everything else is changing. So, who or what are some potential influences in a young person's life that might steer you away from a biblical worldview? What are some influences that or that you've heard about? Yes. Twitter. Okay, Twitter. Video games, yeah. Teachers or professors, okay. In the church or work? And in school, yeah. Yeah, those are really great answers, right? Like, different when you go off to university, they may try to influence you in an unbiffical way, right? The friends you're going to meet, the, the neighbors that you're going to move next door to one day, they're going to have an opportunity to influence you. And they might not be direct, but right, you might have friends who, who grumble and complain, and, and that might influence you and, and start thinking about the, the truths that you've learned in the Bible and want to critique that. So right now we're in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and, and today we'll be in verses 16 and 17. Um, but just to give a little bit of background leading up to this, this verse, in verses 1 through 8, Paul is going to warn Timothy of this future perversion of the love in the church. It's going to be almost like an apostasy or, or people turning away from, from faith in Christ and faith in the Word. And, and they're going to showcase this, this form of godliness, but, but in it, they're going to deny its power. <clears throat> in verses 6 through 9, Paul then highlights Timothy's need to avoid these false teachers who are springing up out of the church and who are then going out into other houses and, and attempting to influence uh, spiritually weak women. We're going to pray upon spiritually mature women and oppose the truth of the Old Testament and the gospel message. And then the apostle reminds Timothy of his knowledge of Paul's beliefs and conduct throughout their entire time spent together. And so if we look at verse 12, 
Again, I'm just going to read verse 12, and our, pa- our passage today will be in 16 and 17. But here's the context, verse 12. Paul says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So men in the church are, are going to be influencing those in the church and trying to deceive them, and yet at the same time, they're being deceived. So what about Timothy? What, what should he do? Verse 14, you, Timothy, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. So Timothy, what you've learned from the scriptures, what, what your, your parent, your mom, and your, your grandmother taught you, continue in those things. Remain under that influence. Verse 14, and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so Timothy was going to need this motivation to remain under the influence of the scriptures with everything else around him changing, with everything else attempting to influence him. Paul tells him, continue in these things. And this is where we get to verses 16 and 17. Here are the motivations. Verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that, this is the the God-breathed scriptures, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Sorry, I didn't have any uh, printed outlines for you today, but if you're keeping an outline, Paul is going to give you three motivations. Three motivations to remain under the influence of the Bible. Remember, in verse 14, he said, continue in these things. Remain. Things that you've learned and you've been convinced by. Three motivations to remain under the influence of the Bible. The first motivation to remain under the influence of the Bible is God wrote the entire Bible. God wrote the entire Bible. Verse 16. If you have the NSB, says all scripture is inspired by God. What does the ESV say? Mm-hmm. And anybody have the New King James Version? Uh, all scripture is given by or all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Mm-hmm. But the main point is that God wrote the entire Bible. Now I know when you hear those words breathed out or, or inspiration that that might sound kind of funny, right? Um, we don't really talk like that. Um, so let me first tell you about what it doesn't mean. First, it, it doesn't mean that the human authors were that were motivated by God and then left to their own creativity. In other words, God did not inspire Paul, hoping he would just be encouraged to write this letter to Timothy. You know, sometimes artists might say, oh, I was inspired 
by this particular person or, or this event in life. Maybe, maybe something has caught your attention and you've written a paper or wrote a song or a poem and something motivated you to write that. Paul was not emotionally filled with creative ideas and then sought to inform the world of, of what he wanted you to believe. So that's not what brings out or inspires me. And further, scripture is not the product of men just supernaturally enabled for the task of writing. God did not give them superpowers knowing that their special abilities will then create the bestseller of all time. You know, Paul was not this C-plus writer one day, and then, and then he wrote 2 Timothy, and all of a sudden he's an, he's an A-plus theologian. That, that's not what happened. So what, then what does it mean that it's inspired or brings out? Simply, again, God wrote the Bible. And you may be thinking, well, well God does not have hands. He didn't sit down at one of those nice fancy tables in the new student ministry uh, bungalow and, and, and start writing. And you're right. But when God says, when Paul says that God wrote the entire Bible, he means that God determined the words of the Bible. So just like any author ultimately decides the content of the book he's writing, God ultimately determined the content of what you're holding in your hand. Now the English use of this term inspiration, maybe we, you know, we think of you know, taking a breath in, but, but back then it really meant to breathe out. So, so think about that, right? When, when you speak, you're just breathing out words or communicating words out that, that were already in your head and you put in the action to do it. It was your thought and you expressed it through verbal communication. God determined, he decided, he influenced or he decreed all of Scripture. And here, Paul is not teaching anything new to Timothy. Instead, Paul is just reminding Timothy to have confidence in the author of Scripture, not merely just the content of it. Again, the words of your Bible are not just detached from the God of the world. And, and this is vital. Just, just think about it, right? Think about the seriousness of a letter increases to the degree of the individual writing the letter. What I mean by that is there is more authority behind the president's letter, like a, if the president were to write a personal letter to you, than just your younger sibling, right? You understand who's writing this letter, and whatever he says, you are alert and ready Whatever he had to say to you probably meant a lot more seriousness maybe than your baby brother said to you. Yeah. So the authority behind the principles and promises of Scripture surpassed any other written material. Paul saying, Timothy, remember the same Bible you learned as a young boy. Those Hebrew Scriptures were written by God. Timothy, you remember how year after year you were trained and influenced by these Scriptures that wasn't just Moses. That wasn't just Isaiah. That was God writing the Bible. Timothy could look back and see who influenced him. And looking forward, he has the scriptures. 
here at Timothy in this church of Ephesus was to combat heresy and apostasy in this church. False teachers were disturbing others in the church and then oppressing spiritually immature women in the church. Not only was Timothy to expect ungodly influence in the church, remember, the government in Timothy's day was changing for the worse. Again, less than just 10 years ago, the Roman government tolerated Christianity. Now Paul was in prison for the gospel, awaiting his death sentence. And again, civil laws are, are intended for the good of people. And behind those laws, lawmakers are meant to be a good example. But the reality in Timothy's day was that the Roman government was corrupt. And they were persecuting Christians. But on the other hand, when Timothy read his Bible, the motivation to continue in the scriptures was that God wrote the Bible. Timothy needed encouragement as to the unchanging character of the scriptures. The fact that the author is God would have settled Timothy's heart. Everyone else may be gone, but the author of scripture is always a stabilizing promise. The political views of our country might be changing fast. And pretty soon, you might not be living in your parents' household. And a lot is changing around you. And it might seem that it's a scary time, right? You must remain under the influence of the scriptures. You must remain under the scriptures' influence. God is the author of scripture and God is morally perfect and whatever God thinks or says likewise will be perfect. Now God did not speak in order to just entertain himself and, and keep this big checklist of, of things he had to refer to and he never had to speak to somebody. No. He determined the content of the Bible for a purpose. And the Bible's purpose is to offer you complete guidance for your life. So the second motivation to remain under the influence of the Bible is the Bible offers complete guidance. The Bible offers complete guidance. And when I say complete, I don't mean it's a finished deal. It means the whole set is there. You buy a new TV and it's going to come with a complete set of hardware. Nothing will be missing. Here, the Bible offers complete guidance. You can look down at your Bible, please. Verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable or it's useful. Scripture's unique value is the reminder Timothy needed. So just how was this pastor to pastor the church? How does a young Christian boy or a young Christian girl live in God's world? Well, a doctor doesn't diagnose a medical problem based off his feelings, right? He has his anatomy and, and, and science books for a consultation. A police officer doesn't just happen to pull you over because you seem to be speeding over the limit. He bases your actions on his speedometer and the legal speed limit posted. And for Christians, for a Christian, God's word offers this same complete guidance. We don't have to guess and we don't have to wonder. 
So the first portion to the Bible's complete guidance is the offer for instruction. We'll see that in verse 16 again. It's profitable for teaching. Your Bible is not offering suggestions. It's not take-it-or-leave-it statements, and it's not these convincing opinions. Scripture contains instruction for your benefit. And the instruction is absolute truth. And I simply cannot go anywhere outside the Bible for this absolute truth. And the Bible's content of instruction is to provide an advantage. And you say, well, what's, what's the advantage? The advantage is discovering unchanging truth. The Bible is not just a book of useless information. Its resourcefulness is in the unveiling of answers you and I desperately need to know. And Paul sought to comfort his friend Timothy in this reality. The word of God would be useful even for the instruction where he's in. He would say, Timothy, you don't have to worry about coming up with new ideas. You don't need to search the internet blogs for how to do church or, or what guidance you need. You have your scriptures, and it's profitable for teaching. What does that mean for you and I today? Well, first, the Bible is the only source for truth. Your culture medical field and your friends will seek to influence you. They will advertise their beliefs and say, this is truth, not what the Bible has to say. And even if you don't watch the news or pay attention to social media, your heart will speak in order to convince you. Remember, the Bible is the only source for truth. Second, the truth of Scripture is unchanging. It's it's the only source for truth, and, and it's unchanging. Notice how Paul doesn't warn Timothy. You know, Scripture is profitable for instruction, but you know, only when the government is kind to Christians. Then it's not profitable anymore. Or Scripture is profitable for instruction only when society doesn't have all the relevant facts. He also doesn't state Scripture is profitable for instruction in addition to fill in the blank. The instruction of Scripture does not bend or mold or conform to any outside opinion. The truth of Scripture is unchanging, and it's not up for debate. That's great. Right? Think about some of the job fields that you guys could potentially get into. Maybe, and all these jobs are really great, and you need this, but, but think about a lawyer who has to keep up with the yearly change of laws. Right? Think about a, a school teacher, and maybe the culture is pressing or pressuring that teacher to, to teach something different than what the Bible says. Think about a journalist or a reporter who, who has to sift out the fake news. Think about relationships, just, just getting into a relationship or getting married or developing the relationships between you and your siblings. That dynamic is always changing. We must understand this as Timothy was to be convinced of the fact that God is not stingy with what he wants us to know. God wants to tell you the truth concerning himself. That's why we have our Bibles, right? To help us to know about who he is. To help us to understand about sin. To understand about salvation. And how to live rightly 
before God and with other people. That gives. But in order to glean from his word, we, we must know the truth of this Bible. Let me ask you, you can answer this to yourself, do you love the content of God's word? Do you love it? Or do you love the opinions of others? A good test for that is, is think about where you go for answers. And you say, well, well how do I know that? Let me ask you, think about what is your intake and internalization of, of the Bible compared to the words of others? In other words, whose words occupy and influence your mind and decisions throughout the day? If it's God's word, then, then you're agreeing with God that his word is resourceful. That it is profitable. That's a good thing. But on the other hand, if the sea of, of voices outside of godly influence simmers in your head, then you're just saying, no thank you to God and, and your resources and your usefulness. So not only does scripture offer instruction, as we read in verse 16, but, but notice next in verse 16, next it offers disapproval. So look down at verse 16 again, please. It's profitable for teaching and, and this, this word, reproof. So, so you can think, maybe you have a rebuke, um, or maybe you can think of it as, like, as disapproval. God's word expresses disapproval of your attitudes and actions, right? That's one of the benefits. It performs its disapproval by then presenting its charge to you based on the evidence of itself. You know, it, it's almost like if you, you walk into a courtroom and God is the judge and the scriptures themselves are the, the witnesses, heaven and earth are the jury, and even your own lawyer is telling you, hey, you're guilty. The case against you is, is precise and, there, and it's without lack of knowledge. In this courtroom, there's no false witnesses, and there's no lack of information. You may be the only one who believes that, that you're not in the wrong, but all the evidence is against you. But again, this, this is profitable for us. All scripture is profitable for reproof. And wow, did, did Timothy and you and I need this reminder? It wasn't Timothy's job to be the sin hunter, meaning he wasn't appointed to the office of the local church's trained hound dog of sin. In other words, Timothy himself didn't need to be on the committee of defining sin. What a relief, right? Imagine if we just lived our lives every day by analyzing people's error by self-defined opinions of sin. That self-righteousness would just burden your conscience. That would weigh heavy on somebody, always trying to analyze everyone's sin after how you define it. So Paul knew Timothy needed to be reminded of as to who and what defines sin. Timothy was to remember that the scriptures that are God-breathed are the only capable definers and explanation of sin. And you might be saying, whoa, disapproval, re reproof, rebuke, 
I don't like the sound of that. You know, Costco is resourceful and beneficial to my family. I'm not sure I would shop there if, if all I did was enter in there and just get told I was doing stuff wrong. Unless you were buying the wrong items. But I'm not sure I'd appreciate that either. But Costco's goal is not to is but Costco's goal is to complete your house with home goods. God's goal is to offer guidance to your life by speaking the bounds of truth into your heart. And sometimes that truth doesn't feel good. But the conviction of sin is good. The heaviness of your heart weighing you down and exposed under the word of God is a great thing. Prideful thoughts or, or moments of lust, exposure of jealousy, or just God's word shining and saying, hey, I care about you enough to reveal the ungodliness of your heart. When I was in ninth grade, I was playing basketball, and I went up for, the, the, the rim was nine foot, so I went up, went up for a dunk. And, and normally I, I sit on a nine foot. Um, but there happened to be somebody taller than me, and I went up, and, he, and, and what do you think happened? God, he 
give you his word for your benefit. Again, it's, it's helpful just out of the x-ray. And the doctor were helpful to my recovery process and the risk. So thankfully, God's word then doesn't just leave us floored on the ground without hope or without help. So all scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof and next. Notice how Scripture's usefulness is then intended for correction. Verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Who here has ever had a broken bone or a very serious injury? Yeah. What was that recovery process like? What, what was it? Did you enjoy it? Did you, were you thankful looking back that they directed you in the right way? Paul reminded Timothy that scriptures, they offer correction as well. And the correction process, it might take a while. Um, you know, just like a city that would have been destroyed and then needed time for the rebuilding process, the scriptures redirection of a repentant sinner is, is the God-ordained means of sanctification. And Timothy was to continue and then be convinced in the usefulness of scripture as the tool for directing someone back onto the path of obedience. Again, the, the, the height of Timothy's temptation would have been there. He would have been wondering, wow, how am I going to help all of these families? How am I going to help all of these people in the church and their burdens and their sorrows? How can I help them in their walk with Christ and pursuing godliness? Correction may take a while. However, the promise is the restorative usefulness of Scripture, not the abilities of the Christian. Christian, in yourself, you do not have the ability. God wrote the Bible, and the Bible is the only source that you can rightly point them back to for others' improvement and yourself. Listen, over the course of your life, different voices will, will speak into your life con concerning corrective measures about your attitudes and your actions. And some will attempt to influence you away from the Bible. Many will attempt to influence you away from the Bible. And you might hear suggestions such as, hey, you don't need to change. Just be who you are. Do what you feel. That's the world's way of selling improvement. You feel bad because of your sexual feelings? Don't do anything to change those feelings. Other corrective measures for attitudes and, and actions may point you inward. Instead of turning to the Bible and allowing the, the, the complete guidance to steer you in Christ-likeness, some will say the answer for change occurs inside. They'll say, change your habits. Begin new diets. Start jumping in cold waters of pools. That's what I heard this week from Amanda. Students, the, the only corrective measure, the only corrective map and GPS for faithfulness to Christ is the Word of God. And nothing outside of it. Imagine if, if I had denied again the, the, the doctor's offer for an x-ray 
and, and denied the, the realignment of my wrist where, where they had to re-break it and then, and then deny the cast. Imagine that. It wouldn't be good, right? Now imagine if you, if, if you deny God's reproof in your life. And if you harden your heart at reproof, you're not ready for then the corrective measures to point you back to Christ. There is no guidance in your life towards Christ's likeness. But we have hope because this is what Scripture offers. It's useful for that. Scripture offers one final resource, and it says training in righteousness. Look again at verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Here, Paul speaks to the act of providing guidance for responsible living. It, it, it's, it's due to its innate character or, or its natural character of instruction. Scripture provides this total package for the Christian's life, living before God. So, we have two motivations for Paul. God wrote the Bible. The Bible offers complete guidance the third motivation that will help you to remain under the influence of Scripture is the Bible equips you for the will of God. The Bible equips you. It gets you ready for the will of God. Down back to verse 16, and we'll read 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God. That's the first motivation. And profitable, here's the second motivation, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And thankfully, it's not just this book that's over there and, and plays no significant or has no significant impact in anybody's life. But it has a purpose. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good deed. You, you see, the Bible is in some ways like other books, and in some ways it's, it's not. I've loved reading, and I've always loved reading since an early age. Uh, when I was a young adult, I even once read a lot of a 700-page all about <laughs> At the time, I enjoyed the author and, and embraced his purpose, purposes, you know, namely just to give me more information about basketball. And at the time, I, 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 I loved it, and, and I really enjoyed it. Yet every time I stepped onto the basketball court, I lacked the ability to play competitive NBA basketball. That information could not equip me for playing with the big guys, like Mike and Garrison. <laughs> In fact, and I'd like to get video evidence of this, maybe those facts even weighed me down to the dunk on a 10-foot rim. Just the facts storing from my mind and weighing me down. I, I don't know. But, but it didn't equip me for what I wanted to do. Similar to any other influence in your life outside of the Word of God. 
I for sure thought differently about basketball, but those new views did not contribute to any credibility on the court. Other worldviews or secular help may change your actions and then modify your ways. You can read all the self-help books, read all the TikTok feeds of dieting,
light was you walking forward and, and there's a black screen right in front of you. And, and, and you only know what's going on around you and you only know what's happening behind you. But when you understand the author of the Bible and you know the direction God desires for your life, namely a, a complete guidance towards Christ-likeness, the not knowing what's beyond tomorrow, that's okay. And that's where Paul encourages Timothy. He says, Timothy, I know this season of ministry is uncomfortable. I'm reminding you of things that, that are not natural to your flesh. And I know what you're thinking. How could I ever be ready for this? How could I ever respond in the right way? confidence is in the scripture's abilities not your abilities winter camp is coming up next weekend Peter the flights haven't changed since Roy just announced that you know you can tell he's still coming leaves the probably out of there trust in ourselves all the time believing that our natural abilities or, or learned skills are adequate for living in God's world. <coughs> Students, how many of you are habitually stuck in a pattern of friction between you and your parents? I guarantee it's, it's not, I guarantee it's because the word of God is not the primary influence in your life. How often do you feel exposed in in social situations because of the sin of comparison. You become jealous or discontent because you don't feel equipped like that particular friend. And I can guarantee your burden is not due to an indulged 
practice and meditation upon the Word of God. Christian, the principle remains sure and steadfast for you today. The Bible is the only source to make you able to meet the demands of life. Is the Bible affecting your heart and your life? Think about that. Is the Bible changing your heart and your life, the way you view things? The way you make decisions. If you were to ask your parents, would they see the Bible's influence in your life? Or do they hear your friends or, or younger siblings influencing your actions and attitudes? Really? They get angry, so you get angry back. Someone lies, so you, so you just lie right back. Someone else is proud, and you respond with pride. Again, the ability to meet these demands of life, they, they don't come from within. They come from the Bible. It's adequate. It, it is for you to live out God's will. Students, there is a ton of competition for those who want to influence you. And here we, we have three great motivating reasons to remain under the of scripture. Think about it. God wrote the Bible. This isn't just some human opinion. God determined what he wanted you to know. The Bible offers complete guidance. Again, it's, it's a whole, it's a, it's a comprehensive package of guidance for you to follow Christ, to live among others. And finally, the Bible leads you in God's will. And it helps you, it equips you to live out God's will. I hope this is an encouragement, especially as we head into, into winter camp. And, 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 and I know Pastor Roy will, will use the Bible to help you see these things. And then he'll use the Bible to help alter your views of how you ought to be thinking about these lies. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the immense privilege of, of getting to hear from your mouth. We, we thank you, yes, indeed, for how you used human instruments, you used the Apostle Paul, but, but you determined what was in here, and you influenced the Bible. Lord, we, we are weak, and we're prone to believe lies from the world, and, and we're prone to the temptations that, that we're right and, and to be wise in our own eyes, and, and yet help us to, to submit to your guidance of our life, knowing that you are good and you only do good. Thank you for uh, helping us to realize that we are not able in of ourselves that your word will equip us. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness towards us. In Jesus' name, amen.